Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Notes podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Girardier, and with me is my co-host and my wife, Amy Jo Girardier. Hey, hey friend. How are you? I, it's good to, good good to, to see, see you. Good to see you. We don't see each other feel, a whole lot at no, work. And no. I, this is I, like a date, the closest thing we'll have to a date. Yeah. You, well, should I leave? <laughs> <laughs> and with us is the campus teaching pastor of the church at Nolensville, Mr. Wade Owens. Hello, sir. How are hey, you? Hey, I'm having a blast. These are some of my favorite people oh. right here. Oh, look at that. I mean, they're fun to be around. Sharp dressers. We have yeah. the same style. We do. I mean, let's Clearly. just jump into that. Let's right? just do that. It's... um. <laughs> <laughs> it's twin day. It's remarkable. I did From not the get brown the shoes to the jeans yes. to the black to the square yes. shirt. It's yes. if you're an audio only listener, Wade and I are dressed exactly the same today. Exactly. Almost identical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty it's, much. Uh, <laughs> it does feel like you guys are maybe twinning Mormons. Yeah. yeah. Or, wow. But you're not. You're not. No, you're, you're not. not. We're not. Clearly, theologically. Clearly. Theologically. No. Outfit-wise, in terms of walking in. Yeah, we did not. A tandem. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been great. (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be great. Yes. Well. Hey, we're jumping into a new sermon series. We We are. are. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Book of Acts. We're sixteen weeks. Is that is that how long? I think we're here to the total for the series. I think it's. Is I think it we're, sixteen? Weeks? I think it's wow. sixteen weeks for the total. Like we're going to be in the Book of Acts all the way through. I think I want to say up to May, if I remember. We correctly. do. Yeah, yeah, we we go through Easter and then we pick up with Paul's life post Easter. So it's right. somewhere around sixteen yeah, weeks. Fifteen, seventeen, somewhere in that yeah. yeah, we're yeah. in. Yeah, so we're kicking good. it off with Seven neighbors minutes. and nations, which are our first four week foray into the Book of Acts. So we're excited about that. Yeah, so just as we're kind of talking, I I just, I know that, I know Wade loves missions. Daryl, do you? I married into it with oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, no, I was just thinking about Acts and how it is um, just the foundation of how the church got started and how the gospel was spreading. And I was thinking about just mission journeys. I know you've been on several, but uh, I don't know the answers to these, but I just... I wonder if there are some funny stories or things that have <laughs> happened on mission journeys um, that we could just kind of share. I thought that would be a fun little beginning. Of course. Daryl, I, I know I some s- of yours. So, yeah. So actually probably my funniest story that occurred to me uh, was actually raising money for missions. So yeah. I was a part of a Baptist ministry in college, and we had a local theme park called King's Dominion. Um, so if you've been to like a six, it's very much like a six flags type of place. And so the deal was, was if you came and you worked at the theme park for a day, all the money you would have made as an employee would go to missions or whatever nonprofit you designate. So for us, we had a missions offering. We were, we were pushing for that year. We thought this is a great way to kind of meet our goal. So I went in to go do it unbeknownst to me was like how the process worked, which is basically I was working at like their version of McDonald's. It was like a hut because apparently it was like this kind of African type of hut type of look aesthetic they were going for. So I'm in the back and I also didn't realize that majority of the kids working back there were like 14 years old, like a a lot of child labor going on in the background (laughs) there. And so I am working the burger area and I'm working with a friend of mine named Pete Pete, Pete's a wonderful <laughs> guy. I've yeah, met yeah. Pete. He's yes. real. Yeah, yeah he's a, he was a PhD doctoral candidate for chemistry at the time, so knew a lot about like how all this fire and grease and all this stuff kind of worked. He was talking about it, and he started hitting the burger with his the spatula, and we noticed the flame started shooting up. So we started playing a game called How High Can You Get Your Fire? It's a great game. What we were not aware of was the fume hood or the grease hood <laughs> had not been properly cleaned in a long time, mm. and so we hit it a couple the couple of pieces of burger meat, if you will, too hard, and it caught 
the fume hood on fire, and before we knew it, the whole thing caught on fire. Keep in mind, the whole restaurant is being operated by kids that are roughly between 14 to 15 years old. <laughs> so at that point, the chemical sprinklers kick on, because that's how they Nice. Are. So you have 14 to 15-year-olds running through a restaurant dining area screaming, the place is on fire, we're all going to burn, get out of here. And people are just grabbing their food, heading out. So we, Pete and I head out, and the, the fire marshal, I guess, of, of the theme park, I guess that's his title, he's like, what happened? And literally all the 14, 15-year-olds all gather in a circle and point right at Pete and I. So the rest of the day, I was sent to the buffet line to shovel macaroni and cheese. Oh. Yeah, you did. And yeah. I don't know if fire we actually got guy. any money for missions, because I think the restaurant has to be like, it has to be shut down and like deep clean, because all the chemicals <laughs> that happened. So yeah, so. So you won. You I did. You won. Yeah, well, how far? I, you you know, in. we'll burn this place down. <laughs> it's going down. I but I mean, the reality of it is, it's probably because I was relying on my own power versus the spirit. Well, that's why all that happened. <laughs> that, that's probably tying it back to the sermon. So tying it back to the sermon. So yeah, it. boom. It's good. Wade, it's how good. about you? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> so we were in Mongolia at this one point in the winter. It was uh, I don't know, fifteen, twenty below, and we were have an incredible journey. We were working on some multiplication movements with disciples, and one of the families invited us over to their home for a traditional Mongolian meal. And Mongolia is sort of a mix of Russian influence and Chinese, and so the food had been incredible, especially if you love Asian influence, and we were absolutely having an incredible feasting experience everywhere else. And obviously, I would love to go to your home and have a traditional Mongolian meal. And so on the way there, my buddy Googles traditional Uh, Mongolian food. No. Any guesses? Uh, Mare's milk. Oh, Oh, no. Was it organic? (laughs) It was, mm, and horse meat. Oh yes, and goodness. so all the way Wait, there. Did you, say, did you say horse meat? Horse meat, yes. And so on the Dang. way there, we were like, surely they're more modern now than right. Genghis Khan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so they were not, oh. actually, no. Ow. And so the whole dining experience, we were trying to figure out how little could we eat and how much. And so the mare's milk in and of itself, I learned how to take a sip without swallowing and put it back in the cup because the cup wasn't clear, so they couldn't tell whether I was drinking much of it or not. And then they did have a soup that was remarkable. Never had a soup so good. And I'm sitting next to my buddy, and he's, I like, the soup's good. Yeah, soup's great. (laughs) So they serve us the the mare's, not the horse meat. He chews the mare's meat, and he just goes right into his soup. He's like, now I've ruined my soup, and it's the only thing I can eat. I'm like, just calm down. we got to get out of this meal intact. And so... Yes. And people have asked, was it good? No, not at all. I don't know what death tastes like, but (laughs) But, but I've been close. So I will wrap the story up with this. If I'm stranded on a desert island with a horse, he'll outlive me. (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to do it. Not going to eat the horse. That's amazing. Yeah. That is so. Amy Jo, what about you? Oh, yeah. I was trying. Actually, I was was more interested in your all's conversations. Um, I was trying to make up one. I know. yeah, Yeah. Once. No, I, the very first mission journey I went on actually was to Louisville, Kentucky, 
Not very far. International troop. Yeah, very much. And uh, and so we were, I'm from Illinois. It was an all-girl mission journey, um, act teens, uh, if you all know. And so we had planned for weeks. Actually, we went through a study of acts. So it was a, a 52-week oh, wow. training that we had to do. So we were super prepared. We had all of our Bible studies ready, all of our crafts done, everything. We get there the first day. And they said that there was a limo that was coming to pick us up. Oh. And I was like, man, I really love missions. Yeah, and man. it was Suffering not for Jesus. an actual yeah. limo is what the it was uh, summer. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this really bad bus. But that's what the summer <laughs> interns <laughs> called it. They're like, oh, get in the limo. We get there and uh, we sit down at a picnic table. I'm teaching the Bible story that day. And this girl named Heshika was like, I know. I know the story. And she, everything I did, she like knew all the answers. Were like, man, Heshika is amazing. She goes, I know the crafts too. I know the games. I know it all. And I was like, oh, okay. She goes, yeah, a team from Tennessee came and taught this exact same thing. Mm. We've had mm. this study like three times this summer. And so I was like, and she goes, and I hate you. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, Heshika. Glad to be here. So we went back that night and we did, we prayed about like, what do we do? They know everything. So we threw all of our crafts into the middle of the room and we totally MacGyvered it. We're like, let's let's find new yeah, Bible stories, let's do new games. And it felt so good. I filled with the Holy Spirit to go before Heshika and go, you don't know what's coming today, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so at the end, she was, you know, she was like, she became my bud, but um, she was like, wait, wait, this is not, you know, the fiery furnace? I was like, oh, no, it's Oh, not. no, no, no. It's not the fiery furnace, but it was fun. I was so mad at Tennessee people. I'm a little disappointed it wasn't a llama. Yeah. I know, it could have been. It could have, should have, perhaps. It should have. It should have. It should have been. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to um, share a picture that I screenshot. Oh, yeah. I'm Can I do that? No? Yeah, please. I'm in- excited to see. Yeah. I mean, it's you. Oh, well, okay, please. <laughs> <laughs> He's real excited. Yeah, so this, oh, was, yeah. this was the story, one of the stories you shared. <clears throat> I don't know if we can see that on camera. Yes. It's a, it's a picture of Wade pointing at a lion. A lion. So... Tell me a little bit about this picture, like like you did in your sermon. You were talking about uh, there's a lot that we don't see in this picture. Correct. So what is what's behind the lion? Yeah. So this is taken in the Mara Triangle of Masa Mara, which is where the Serengeti comes up into Kenya, and largest animal migration in the world goes from the Serengeti into Masai Mara. And we are right on the banks of one of the rivers where you see the wildebeest, you know, try to cross and the crocodiles are trying to eat them. And it's this whole epic of nature that we were watching. And we saw this male lion. And so obviously that's one of the more fascinating things to see on safari in Africa. And so when we were coming to see him, we were probably only 10 feet, 15 feet from him, really close in a safari truck. And on the other side is a wildebeest that he's in the process of eating. So you can't oh, see the wildebeest on the other side of that. But the grin on his face is because he's really full he's and happy. Yeah. yeah. And so we were watching him. And the, the reason why I showed this picture in the sermon yesterday is because there's a safari truck sort of over here. And there's a guy in a safari truck with the lion in the background, like flexing, like, yeah. 
and you know, <laughs> doing like all of this stuff. He's in the foreground, the lion's in the background, and apparently, like the picture he wanted from Safari was with him flexing in front of a lion. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that thing will eat your face. Yeah. You're not gonna survive a lion attack, and you feel all strong because you're in a car, but you're next to like the apex predator in yeah. all of Africa. Did he not watch Ghost of the Darkness? Is that right? Have you not seen that? Seriously? Yes. It was a great movie. And so the point was, how often do we as believers like flex when it's never our strength? It's always what God is up to. And so the early church in the book of Acts, they never flexed their own strength. They just like surrendered and were in awe of all that God was doing. I love that. That was helpful. So why do you think our natural inclination, I think, is to do exactly what that guy was doing, which is to flex? Like... Why do you think we as humans are prone to just naturally do that? Because I think I think that to me is like a natural inclination of maybe it's hustle hustle culture that you see on Instagram, you see mm-hmm. on TikTok, whatever that is. It's just like a culture. Is it a culture thing? Like why do you think that is for us? And is it is it unique unique to Americans or how do you view that? That's a good question. I think it's a human nature question that our unwillingness to be dependent or patient, um, and I think it's probably more prevalent here in in America, especially Wilco or other places where people are leading in their industry, they're advancing their field, they're successful, however we define successful. We, we don't often need additional support. We're, we're not lacking for much, and when we have a problem facing us, we can typically get figure out a workaround. We can get a hack. We've got OKRs and goals. We're going to solve our problems. I don't experience it as much in the nation. You're talking about mission trips. So right. when, when, I, when I'm in rural Southeast Asia or in different parts of India or in China, they're desperate and dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the ways we say it, it's like we pray over our food, they pray for food. Wow, okay. mm-hmm. And so I think there is a desperation that I sense amongst God's people in the nations that I don't sense here. And we we have budgets, we have provisions, we have ministries, we've gone to school, we've been successful. And so I think a microcosm in our people is what we demonstrate as pastoral leaders. So how often are we telling our people, hey, we can't figure this out. We need to be desperate and pray. Hey, we're not ready for that yet. We need to seek the Lord more. So I think we even unintentionally teach our people a lack of desperation because we want to project confidence. We want to project we've got it together. We want our ministries to look good. We want our churches to be well put together. We want to instill confidence. And that, that's not bad. Like nobody wants right. to go to a church and like, they don't know what the heck they're doing. Let's <laughs> let's tie there. You know, they'll waste our money. So you know, we don't want to do that. But I think part of it, Daryl, to your point, is it, it's a human nature that says, I, I need to be in control. I don't want to be controlled. Right. I, I, I want to be successful. I don't want to surrender. So I think that's a part of it. I think it's a human nature issue, but I think it's more problematic and more successful, however we define success areas. Yeah, almost like a performance culture type of thing. Sure, yeah. Okay, I get that. Do you think when you do that over a repeated period of time, and it could be you know weeks, months, years, et cetera, do you think that can eventually lead to or can be an indicator of burnout? Like, in other words, is that just a prelude to if you're not relying on the Spirit, if all it is is look at what I'm budgeting, I'm managing, I'm controlling over time, I would surmise that eventually that could lead to burnout. Um, 
Again, I know you talked about that a little bit in your sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the best thing that could happen to a person who's, whether it's their family, like the mom that's listening right now and trying to figure out, like, how do I work and take care of my kids and, you know, serve my family well, or the dad who's trying to go to whatever situation you're in. I mean, I think although difficult and a struggle, the best thing that could happen to someone is that they end up burned out, because mm-hmm. that is one of the only options to a person trying to do life in their own strength, wisdom, power, is it's going to lead to burnout. And that's probably a gift from the Lord that would mm-hmm. back you up and slow you down and say, there's a better way. Mm-hmm. There's a better way. The opposite would be, I mean, some leaders that I know, man, they're bright, they're successful, and they get to the end of their career and they didn't burn out, but they, they've got their chest puffed out and, and pride led the way. And they, they end the career and a lot of them, the burnout is really more regret and they go, I accomplished all that. I wonder what God could have done if I would have really gotten out of the way. I did a lot, but what could have God did? So it's a different type of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a regret type of burnout than a weariness. And I think yeah. both could happen. I experienced the former more, people just weary and tired. I, just, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Well, you're not supposed to be doing it on your own. Right. Yeah. You're not right. supposed to be doing it on your own. Right. I like you had a quote yesterday from from an author and it said this um, a Christian full of the Holy Spirit is a powerful and dangerous weapon in the hand of in the hands of God mm-hmm. but a self-powered person is distraction and disobedient yeah um, I just I loved I loved thinking about that and we we often just we forget you you walked through in your sermon talking about when Christians receive the indwelling that, mm-hmm. that we get to see that happen in acts. And it's not a repetitive thing. Like when you become a Christian, right. you said that we receive that indwelling. Um, but we forget about that so often. Mm-hmm. So I think even when we when you talk about like a self-powered person, um, that we become a distraction and, and we're disobedient, um, it takes a lot to surrender and say, okay, I'm going to wait mm-hmm. and I need... Jesus in this yeah. more moment more than I need what I have to offer, you know. Like, anyway, I I think that was just helpful to re, to remember that oftentimes, like you were saying, that we're so resourced we can move forward, we can do yeah, all these things in our right. own power. But you miss yeah. getting to see how how God is going to work. What are some? I mean, this is not one of the questions that we had, um, but I mean. Oftentimes we see that on mission journeys, I think, uh, because we're looking for opportunity. Right. We're looking for how we expect God to yeah, be on a mission we're journey. Positioning ourselves with mm-hmm. expectation. Yeah. yeah. You and I know we've talked a lot about this with Nolansville, but are there sometimes I'm sure there are, sometimes when you've seen the Lord move in a way that you guys weren't expecting, because I mean, it's the Holy Spirit was at work. Are there some moments that you guys have seen? Him, I know, give you a second to think through that of like where are some times that you've seen the Holy Spirit moving in your teams as you've served? Are there some examples of that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and to your point, there, there's a difference between indwelling and empowering. So yes. as we talk about, like to set up the conversation, every spirit, every <laughs> spirit, every Christian who is saved is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But fully empowered by the Spirit is a different conversation. Yes. And so that you have to surrender to be empowered. You have to yield. You have to ask. And so 
when we look back at the church at Nolansville, we've said from day one as a team, we want to be able to look back at the end of the year and go, only God could have done that. Yeah. There's no way in our strength we could have accomplished that. I mean, I think early on, it was me and Jay Fennell and a, a one or two, three part-time staffers that were amazing. Yeah. You know, we went from 28 families to over 800 in two and a half years but they were getting connected and getting into groups and serving and stepping up at leaders. And Jay Fennell and I looked back and go, how in the world were we able to pastor, disciple, on-ramp, on-board, train, equip, get the, like, how did that happen? How, how, how is God sending different leaders to us right at the right time? So two years ago, um, I, I began praying as the church has grown. We've seen God do great things. I began asking the Lord, God, I, I know what my particular gifts are in leadership, and I know where I'm weak. And God, our team needs our team needs this type of leadership, and that's it's not something I'm great at. And God, I'm I'm asking for you to provide. And God, I I want to be able to serve the team well, and I'm going to try to grow in that area. But God, could you bring could you bring along like a helper? And so I just started praying in that way. And about four or five months later at one of our lunch with the pastors, our welcome receptions, um, this guy showed up, he and his wife, and got to meet him, say, hey, what's your background? He said, I was a CEO coach and worked for this, and man, my experience has really just been helping coach organizations accomplish their goals and get this done. And I was like, Lord? (laughs) Are you answering my <laughs> prayers right now? And started getting to know him, and they jumped into the life of our church. And, and 18 months later, this, this individual spends like hours a week of his own free time coaching our staff in areas where I'm not gifted to coach them, wow. which allows me to be more of their pastor and not their goal man. And that, like that, that's an example of like, I could have never done that on my own. And the Lord just said, I know what you need. Seek me, pray, be dependent, and in my timing, boom, he just brought a volunteer with an incredible capacity Mm -hmm. to do exactly what we needed in the church. Um, Yeah, I mean, there there are many, many other examples, but yeah, absolutely. The only reason why the church in Owensville has been able to see what she has is because God has done miracle after miracle. I love that. And that's one of the harder things that you, I mean, one of the harder things that you identified there early on was what you all where the gaps were. Yeah. Because I think so often what happens is, is again, going back to the performance culture, we want to make sure we have it all together. We want to show everybody we have it all together. Right. But it takes you to go, okay, God, show me the gaps. Show me where the weaknesses are. And then I trust you to provide to fill those gaps. That's right. And that's just not, that almost sounds for, to some people like you're not planning. It's almost like, okay, well, you're not, you know, you need to suck it up again, go back to hustle, hustle culture. You've got right. to. X, Y, and Z. So that's a testament. Yeah, you're, is that Bob? Is that is that is that who it is? Okay, I've yeah. I've, I've, I've never met. I've heard of him. I've heard <laughs> the legend. The legend of him. Bob, if you're listening to this, Bob, you're a legend. You're an answer to prayer. That's, that's what right. I've that's, that's so what cool. I've heard. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to argue against a hustle culture because no. our team has worked hard. We've right. said we're going to be the hardest working, the first up, the last to go to bed. We are going to absolutely spend our lives and pour them out mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God. But we recognize there is a limit to what we can do, yeah. and unless the Lord empowers it, it's wood, hay, and stubble. Right. So I don't, I don't want to argue against hard work because no. the team works hard, but that's insufficient in and of itself. Yeah, when I say when I say hustle, hustle culture, I'm referring to the idea of 
it's a performance culture by which I'm going to show you how hard I'm working. I'm going to post it on social media right. so I can get accolades for look at look at yeah, what look I'm at doing. Yeah, look, look at me, 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 which is yeah, clearly good. antithetical to everything you see in Scripture in, in, terms of, in terms of this, and especially that early church. You know, um, they don't have those means by which to promote the things that they're doing. Right. It's just a, it's a completely, it's a completely different um, way of thinking about the work. And I think that's so. When I bring it up, that's that to me is where I, I see us. If we're not careful, we can easily mm. guide ourselves into that. If we're not careful about that, it's a good okay. word. What in your sermon mm. did you <clears throat> not have time to share, or you're like, oh, I'm not going to share oh this my yet? Gosh. Um, did, you have, did you leave anything out? Well, yes. And so I, I spent more time. <laughs> Um, talking about like the empowering of the spirit, because yeah. I really wanted the the church to understand that what the early church was empowered by was God Himself. This was yeah. the hand of God, the power of God, blessing, obedience, like getting after it. So that's really where I spent the majority of our time. I wanted to spend more time on Acts one eight. You'll be my witnesses, right. and so I'm I'm gonna actually come back to that this week. I know technically we're moving on in the text, but I'm gonna come you back to that. Acts one eight. <laughs> so I wanted to spend a little bit more time on the word witnesses, which is the word martyr, yeah. which is powerful to me. That self-sacrificing type of individual who says to the world, "I'm so deeply convicted." that what I know to be true, that I'm not going to renounce it regardless of the cost or the situation in front of me, even to the point of death. That yeah. That's a witness. And I think sometimes we hear the word witness and we think, okay, I've got to be the most evangelistic. I've got to turn every conversation into a gospel conversation. I've got to mm. be that person, which we should be evangelistic. Right. But it's the type of person that filters every decision in their life through the lens of the mission of God. Yeah. That's a witness. Every decision, the way I lead my wife, I lead my kids, I lead this church, the way I talk about what's happening in my life, the way I choose the trajectory of my life, the way I say no to good for the great of God, a witness is I'm going to live in such a way that Jesus' plan, purpose, and mission defines everything about me. And I'm so convinced that it's true, regardless of what it looks like, because it may cost me a lot. Right. And I'm okay with that because I'm convinced it's true. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that as a witness. And then what does that look like in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth? Yeah. So we're going to... Circle back. Yeah, so tune into Nolensville this week. Ooh. You'll hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, and one of the things I loved, by the way, before we forget in your sermon was you talked about the part where it mentions almost like a second baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, I encourage you, if that's a question that you have, because I grew up in a highly Pentecostal area, yeah, and, and so, like, <laughs> I know that as they treat that as a actual second, actual baptism. Right. But I thought the way you unpacked it was so great. It was so that's concise, good. but at the same time was, I think, faithful to the text. Mm -hmm. So if you have questions about that, I encourage you to go get the sermon and listen to it, because I think what you did is fantastic with the text there. Thanks. I loved it, too. You ended um, by saying, I don't know if these were not your last words, but I, I wrote them down. Uh, your challenge is not to just be here mm. at church. Your challenge is to become all that God wants um, wants for you. Uh, and then you said when when they see Jesus' people living Jesus' life, that's when mm -hmm. people are going to see what this is all about. So I loved that. I loved how you ended with with that. It's not just about showing up at church, although that's really important, but it's it's about becoming all that God wants 
for you to be in and putting that on display. So, And that's that's where we're headed as, as a church this year is, is like our word is deeper family next steps. Okay. And, and for many people, like that rhythm of saying gathering as a part of the church is a regular part of my life, establish that rhythm. Right. If you're not regularly doing that, do that. So we're saying to the church, what's your next step? Mm. What is your next step? The Lord is not asking you to do everything today. I love the way Dallas Willard says, discipleship's a long obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're not regularly gathering with the church, begin regularly yeah, gathering. That's your next right. step. And that, that takes a lot. Like you, you have, like I think I said on Sunday, like most of the time it takes two arguments, three <laughs> spankings, and a grounding just to get everybody <laughs> to church, you yeah. know? So I don't want to belittle that. If you're not doing that regularly, do that. But going to church is not the goal. Becoming a Christ follower and a disciple is the goal. Yeah. So if you're regularly gathering, what's your next step? Are you in a group? Mm. Are you having your faith formed with others? Are you serving? Are you having gospel conversation? So it's really more of a next step. Where do you need to take mm. your faith? Because people aren't impressed that we drive out of our neighborhood <laughs> and go to church. Right. They don't know that we're not going to get bagels. That's true. You know, And so they, they need to see... Jesus's life lived out among us. So that that's what I said. The biggest challenge is for you to not just be here, but to actually become, Yeah. Mm. which means you got to do something with what we talked about on Sunday. Do okay. something with it this week. I love it. And that could be the same for people that are listening. Amen. Yeah. Daryl, what's our next step? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. I thought you were doing the send off. Well, I just mm. decided to change to it up a little bit. Thanks. Mix it up a little Mix bit. Mix it up. This is what our marriage is like. All right. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode or watching this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, or subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, whatever you get your podcasts. Until next week, take care, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>